0: Welcome to a brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? What is happening? Uh, We started the show with a banging track from our good friends over at Acryl Madness. I love these guys. Very happy with the uh, new music for the new episodes of the podcast. And if it's strange to you, right? Why does Mike have... A strange end of the week episode going up. Well, truth be told, uh, I was setting up today during a long week of doing podcast interviews. I was setting up today to do an interview and it was last minute canceled because of issues that were beyond everybody's control. But I felt like just fucking podcasting because I have everything set up. I don't know if you uh, have any idea how this shit works, but you got to get in the mood. I woke up early this morning. I went for a bike ride early with Gina. Uh, We were out of the house at like fucking nine. Uh, Did our ride, got back at 11, took a shower, did all my research on today's subject material and uh, had a last minute cancellation. So it's like you're locked and loaded, right? The fucking Marines are in the chopper. Send them to kill somebody. (laughs) We got to get a show on, man. Um, And so I said, fuck it. It's been a while since uh, it's just been us, and uh, I figured I would do an episode that uh, I would just post. So shit, we're doing this live, and that's what we're doing right now, and I'm sort of fucking swinging from the hip. Um, So what's new with you guys? It's been a while. It's been a moment since uh, we've just talked. Uh, Like I said, what's going on with me? It's just been podcast booking, and the process of doing it is just... (sighs) It's, it's very time-consuming. I can completely see why a lot of folks drop out of podcasting within the first year of doing it. Uh, because it's, it's a lot of work. You end up trying to find guests, and a lot of times these guests take months, months, months to line up schedules correctly. So uh, I think t- the guest that I was going to do today, her and I have been talking for at least five months. And then I think it's going to be pushed another two months now. And so that's the, that's the game. But like our business as a freelancer with jobs and with clients, the move is to be stacking things as best as you can. So you're trying to stack work. You're trying to have relations, start to form relationships with companies or clients that you want to work with, with the understanding that that shit probably won't happen for a good five months. Right. And it's the same thing with booking bot podcast guests. Sometimes, like, like fucking man, this week. Uh, it was just insanity. We use this, um, we use this app, not even an app, we use this website called Calendly, uh, which, uh, or Calendly. I can learn how to use the language, dickhead. Calendly, um, which is really great. It basically shares a schedule of uh, a calendar of our times that are available. And we're just able to email this to potential guests. And so like, if you get asked to be on the show, you'll get a link from us and you go through and you pick one of the times in the next couple months that are available for you. And I spent, what, like four days last week just reaching out to folks um, and uh, sent out that link. And then the beginning of the week, I went, oh, fuck. (laughs) Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, I've smartened up because uh, we learned how to adjust it because initially when we used it, um we you could book multiple episodes per day and there were days where i do three episodes in a row and if you guys listen to the show if there are moments that you feel like mike doesn't have a shit together or he can't seem to find words or there's like long pauses in between statements it's probably because i've done two or three shows in a row and it's fucking exhausting and i know you're like sitting at home going how hard is it to just talk into a fucking microphone i don't get it either man Like, when I'm done doing a show, especially if it's a great show, and I'm done nailing something down, I am fucking wiped out. Like, completely wiped out. My brain has the inability to do anything important. I try to get all of my important emails and all my important shit done before I start talking on this thing, um, because it just sucks everything out of me, you know? It's like the fucking brain bug from Starship Troopers. You guys remember that movie? I, I don't know why I keep thinking about that fucking scene. It was like uh, Neil Patrick Harris, right? Wasn't he the smart guy in the military? And then he had to deal with the brain bug and he put his hand inside like that vagina bug mouth that it had. I'm always thinking about that. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking psychopath. Um, So, yeah, what's going on? What's new? I just saw, I just saw um, that uh, we lost Christopher Plummer today. Now, Christopher Plummer is one of those actors that has always been there, right? He's, he's one of those supporting roles that always shows up and just kills it, just destroys it. He brings that gravitas to a film, right? You watch it and Christopher Plummer Christopher walks in the room and you go, oh shit, there's going to be some fucking acting in this. Like this isn't just a genre piece. Like this is a real deal. They got him. Uh, fucking mega bummer that we lost him today. I think he was in his 90s, right? I think that's what they said. I'm just, I'm going to look on the internet here today. I think he went in his 90s. And if you look at his, if you look at his career, like there's a lot of stuff that's obvious to me. Like he was recently in Knives Out, great movie. Love it or hate it. I love the casting of that film. I thought that film was fantastic. Uh, He was in one of my favorite movies of all time. 1999's The Insider. Uh, If you guys haven't seen this movie, I highly recommend it. Michael Mann directed. uh, I think it's one of Michael Mann's best. I think this one is just right behind Heat for me. It's one of his best films ever. ever. Stars uh, Al Pacino, stars Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe murders this movie. Al Pacino's great in it. He's on the verge of doing his like, give me that ass fucking speech that he does in every one of his movies. But uh, he's great in it. The combination of the two are fantastic. And it is the best. It is one of the best examples of like true Michael Mann filmmaking. His ability of like building really high stakes, really high emotional stakes. um, It's fucking fantastic. Uh, And uh, Plummer's in this. He actually has a great role in this film. Uh, He plays... um, a, uh, a, who did he play in it? Hold on a second here. Mike Wallace. That's right. He plays Mike Wallace, uh, which is really cool. And this whole movie was essentially about the whistleblower for big tobacco uh, and the shit that went wrong with that. It's really interesting. It really tackles a lot of big issues that we've had to deal with, uh, with media and with whistleblowing for quite some time. And what happens when the news is owned by a commercial company, right? There was a point in time with broadcast where the news, was just something that you had to do, you'd run the news, you'd get someone on there, and they would speak dryly, right? And here's what happened today, blah blah blah, and they'd go through it. As soon as they started creating like uh, 24-hour networks for the news, like CNN, it changed everything. Now news has to become entertainment, and now uh, great news sells good commercials because everybody tunes into the news. And so that starts to adjust things and shift things. And the problem is, is that you start to bring politics into it when you're dealing with big business, right? And so the movie does a really good job sort of tackling that instead sort of examining how much power the press actually had at that time period, as opposed to how much power they thought they had at that time period. Uh, really fucking great movie. I cannot say enough good things about it. So if you guys are bored, if you're going through your Netflix queue going, there's nothing on here that's any good. Uh, then definitely check out The Insider. I wonder if it's streaming. I'm sure it's streaming on one of the platforms. If not, you can just purchase it. Um, So yeah, he was in that movie. I cannot believe that I didn't put the math together, that he was in The Sound of Music. Now, I give myself a little bit of credit because I probably haven't seen The Sound of Music since I was a kid. And it was one of my dad's favorite movies. He loved The Sound of Music and he liked... The fucking Wizard of Oz. I cannot watch The Wizard of Oz again in my life. I hate that fucking movie. Um, but uh, I, it never put the math together. That he was... I think he was the lead in The Sound of Music. Right? Or the supporting. Because Julie Andrews was the lead. Yeah, he played Baron Von Trapp in that. A fucking fantastic... Fantastic role. wonder if he won an award. Oscar winner of Sound of Music it sucks that he died man like the the industry really lost a strong strong talent today oh he murdered in the Girl with the dragon tattoo oh he was so good in that he was fantastic in that and he was also cast in um uh fucking Ridley Scotts movie he ended up racing out um what's his name um uh, seven there and uh, Jesus Christ, Kevin Kevin Spacey, can't even remember his name now. He's been canceled, can't remember his name. They ended up erasing him out of that movie and replacing him with Christopher Plummer. All the money in the world. And that came out in 2017. Was that his last? I, I hope that's not his last movie because that's the last time I saw him. Uh, let Mike, stop fucking around. Go to his actual IMDb page. I'm sure that this is the best podcast in the world. Just listen to Mike surf the internet. But that's what you get today. It's an extra episode. It's a deal with it. Uh, Let's see. What was the last stuff that he did? Oh, he was filming. looks Looks like it was an anime thing. He was doing a voice for the heroes of the Golden Masks. Knives out. I think this is his last. That's nuts. That's really crazy. Fantastic actor. Spend some time. Go through his IMDb. And uh, check out the movies that are on his IMDb if you want to see some great films because, man, this fucker worked. Man, he had so many credits. 217 credits. What a good way to go out. 217 credits. And he was doing shorts at the end too. Wow, there's a couple shorts listed here. A lot of voice acting. He had an amazing voice amazing voice um, great dude I'm not going to stick with it but I won't bore you guys just going through his whole catalog but uh, The Inside Man great movie he was in that as well really great actor sucks that we lost him tonight um, but anyway So what else is going on with you guys? Are you guys uh, getting ready to get out of quarantine? Do you have uh, projects that you're working on? It seems like everybody that I'm talking to is writing something these days, uh, which is good. You know, everybody is inspired going a little stir crazy, having those moments where you're like, what have I fucking done today? What am I doing? Um, It's starting to catch up with folks. And I think it's because we're hearing about the vaccinations that are going out and around. I know that uh, I think they're vaccinating in California. If you're not one of the first responders, I think it's over 75 is what they're doing. Uh, I don't know why the number is so high here. Back at home, it was uh, 65, I think, in um, Boston, Massachusetts. Don't quote me on that. But uh, our landlord just got his first vaccination shot. We know a lot of people that are going to get vaccinated right now. So things are turning, Right. Now we go back to that moment that I had when we got into quarantine where I'm like, I don't want to be caught with my pants down after this shit. Let's do some work. Let's do some prep. Now, now it's like, we've only got like a couple snow days left. <laughs> That's what it <laughs> feels like to me when it's like, you know, you have blizzards back at home you get that snow day, you get a call out day and it's like, okay, so the sidewalk plows didn't come, so I don't have to go to school today. And then you stay up late that night, and you wait to see if the sidewalk plows show up, and you're like, oh, sidewalk plows haven't come, that means we're not going to go again tomorrow, the worst are when the sidewalk plows plow at like 4 a.m., and you wake up, and the fucking sidewalks are out, you thought you had a school day, or another snow day, and you got to go to school, oh, those days sucked, but that's what I feel like, I feel like we're getting to the end of Christmas vacation, <laughs> we're getting to the end of COVID, it's been over a year, can you imagine Can you imagine like a year and a half ago, two years ago, if I got on the show and I said, guys, everybody in the U.S. is going to start wearing face masks. You'd laugh at me. like, come on. No one's going to wear fucking face masks. And then I was going to, then I said to you like, hey, and also we're not going to be able to essentially leave our house for any real reason for a year. You'd be like, what? That's never happened. It's nuts that we went through that. And looking back on it, it's been a. You know, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I haven't gotten sick, knock on wood somewhere. Uh, the folks that I know haven't really gotten sick. Uh, I know a lot of people that have lost folks and that has been fucking horrible. But um, in general for us, it's been okay. Like we followed the rules. We've stayed in lockdown. We've uh, limited our social interactions and we played it safe when we do. So uh, hopefully we ride it out until we get a vaccine. And uh, it's been pretty good. I've been able to take this time to really examine um, what it is that I want to do. And I, I know a lot of you guys feel the same way. It's fascinating. I've talked to folks on the show where they're like, I don't know, after COVID, I don't know if I want to do this thing that I'm doing anymore. I think I want to slow down a little bit. I want to enjoy my life a little bit more. And well, I mean, believe me, it's been slow as fuck. <laughs> I have like a little bit more speed. <laughs> in my life these days, but um, you know, I I didn't have the time to sort of really hyper focus on things. Got to hyper focus on on uh, anxiety, calm myself way the fuck down, as opposed to prior to this where it was like stress levels were pretty fucking high on everything. And that rat race mode that we we're all in, you know, are we all gonna go back to that? What do you think? Do we come out of this? And then all of a sudden, everybody's going to switch back on and be like, I need to get my shit. I mean, you go driving out here in Los Angeles and it fucking feels that way. If you judge people by the way they drive, Jesus Christ, it's insane. It's like, how the, what, where are you going? Why are you in such a hurry? Are you racing to get back into your prison cell? Like, what, what the fuck are you doing? There's no emergency, You don't have somewhere to go. You're probably not even able to work, although there are a lot of people out there that still have to work through COVID. A lot of jobs, a lot of first responders, a lot of jobs that are quote-unquote considered first responding jobs, Uh, people that have to make cash because uh, unemployment runs out. And the ability to do that has been very tough for a lot of people, so I get it. But these people that are fucking passing me and doing that shit, they're Range Rover drivers. They're not worried about it. It's always a fucking Range Rover or it's a goddamn Porsche out here. You see them in your rearview mirror and they're coming up on you and you're like, here we go. Here we go. What sort of passive aggressive fucking bullshit am I going to deal with with this one? Right? You know, it's nuts. That's the one thing about California. A lot of the stuff that I thought. The stereotypes that I thought were going to be in play when I was moving out here from the East Coast as a grizzled fucking East Coaster, uh, a lot of those have been debunked. You know, not everybody out here are assholes. There's a lot of really great folks out here. A lot of people that have been displaced from their families and friends and the places that they grew up and they're looking for community. They're looking for folks. They're looking for people to hang out with and be a part of. And uh, there is definitely a friendship thing that is out here that can be done correctly. And there's genuine folks. I think the people that are complaining about the disgenuine folks are people that are looking for people for the wrong reason. You know what I mean? Collectors, as we like to call them. Folks that are just looking to fill their Rolodex. Um, But generally, I think there are a lot of decent people that we've met out here so far. And, you know, the weather's pretty good. I mean, everybody likes to, you know, jack off on California fucking weather. But uh, I think the best time of year out here is in the winter. It's nice and cool. It's very chill. It's actually cold last night, which is great. The fires are under control. (laughs) You can breathe the fucking air out here. It rains every once in a while. And uh, when it rains, for me, it's just like a huge air filter. Um. And uh, soon it will get hot again. And soon uh, the mountains will be on fire again. So there is that. But in general, I think California has been fun. It's been fun so far. Even in lockdown, it's been interesting. Um, And for those of you who are on the East Coast, because I get calls like this all the time, the East Coasters will call up and go, how are you doing? Are you making it? Are you surviving? I think uh, Gina's grandmother called her freaked out last night. What is happening? (laughs) Nothing. Absolutely nothing is happening. Um, Just remember that you're just hearing the news because from our perspective, we hear about what a piece of shit the East Coast is right now and how tough it is over there. Everybody's crammed in and everybody's getting COVID and everybody we know over there is getting COVID. Uh, It's not that bad. It's all relative. And I think. There's been this big lesson for me, at least with the, with this virus. And that's just examine why you do things. Why am I doing this? Right. Why am I buying this thing? Why do I need to go out? Why do I need to go do this thing? What is it fill? What am I trying to fill? What need am I trying to fill? And uh, maybe that need can only be filled by that. Maybe that's the case. But uh, sometimes I feel like that's not really the case. Sometimes I feel like it's like, yeah, this is going to pass. I don't necessarily need to go do this thing. This will pass. If I just take a moment and examine what it is that I'm feeling, and maybe that'll help make that moment pass. Maybe. Uh, maybe I'm full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that could very well be the thing as well. Um, but anyway, back to the point. Fucking tangents. Uh The point initially was, I hope you guys are feeling inspired. hope you guys are feeling ready to get back into it. Start to dust off those brain cells that you need. Because the truth of the matter is, whether we like it or not, the rat race will start back up again. And there are a ton of fucking people that are just waiting, batons in hand, waiting for the gunshot, waiting to start the race again. Uh, And you feel it, especially in our business right now. There's this big sort of... (gasps) waiting everybody's there and it isn't just us lowly little indies it's like all the big boys and all these streaming services and all the actors and all the talent they're all waiting it out they're waiting for the best offer because reality is a couple things one there are those of us who need to make money two there are those of us that need to get these movies going and need to get these stories happening and three there there are those of us that are bored and I just need to do something. I need to get out of the fucking house. Like all that suspense, all that drama is stacking itself up at that fucking race start line. So make sure that you're dusting off your stuff. What's going on now? Who's joining us in the podcast? Oh, it's a UPS man. Perfect. Um, or an airplane. What the fuck? Jesus Christ. How did it get so loud in here? Um, <clears throat> but just make sure you're preparing yourself. I guess is what I'm saying. And this isn't to stress you out. This is just like, hey, maybe you should start to write a couple emails. Maybe you should reach out to some of your old clients. Maybe you should just check in with some of your old jobs. Start to lay the groundwork, because the truth is, it's still gonna take two or three months before the vaccines go around and get to you. So follow those rules. Follow the rule set that I said at the beginning of the episode. It takes a few months before anything sort of comes to play, before a plan comes together. always love it when a plan comes together, right? So start laying those groundworks. And uh, I think that uh, you'll be happy that you did. Because best case scenario is that you have someone that wants to do something and they're chomping at the bit and as soon as the gunshot goes off, you can run at that. And really, it doesn't need to be the most important thing in the world. It may not be that movie that you wanted to make, It may just be a very simple job. Maybe it's a small gig that you want to do. Maybe it's just uh, finally being able to book a meeting, right? Maybe it's being able to hang out with a bunch of friends and have them read one of your scripts or fuck that. Maybe it's just hanging out with a bunch of your friends. Maybe that's the thing that you're excited about. Maybe you make some calls on that. What are your plans? What are your plans for the big party? I don't I can't believe that that hasn't been you know why it hasn't been talked about yet because we haven't got deep in it. Maybe I'm I'm ahead of the curve on this. But what is the plan for the big party? Doesn't it seem like there needs to be like a global like barbecue? <laughs> Doesn't there need to be a global party at this point? Like once the vaccinations start to spread around, shouldn't there be a fucking worldwide holiday from this? don't you think the day we all came out the day all the groundhogs emerged from the ground i would love that i just want to do that with the community of people that i know i would love to do that big old barbecue multiple day barbecue maybe a week that would be cool i keep i keep threatening i'd love to rent a really cool house with a bunch of rooms and just fly people out and just do a week party. And by party, I don't mean like, you know, I'm fucking drunk jumping off the fucking roof into a swimming pool. My idea, I'm an old dude. My idea of a party is like finding those people that you want to sit around on chairs with waiting for the food to cook and just hang out and talk and drink beer. That's what I want. I want that hangout with the real folks. I uh, cheated. I got to go hang out with Lance recently. Lance and I hung out. He was tested because he's been doing a series. I had just been tested. We were both clear. Um, And I went over to his place, got a new spot, and uh, watched. We sat down and we were talking. And he's like, you want to watch a movie? And I was like, yeah, all right. And so we started watching a movie 15 minutes. And then we stopped it. And we just talked. I'm like, dude, I can watch movies all fucking day. I'm here to see you. I'm here to talk. You know, let's talk about life. Like, what the fuck has happened over the past year? I know we've talked on the show and I know we've seen each other, you know, outside on porches and stuff. But like there's something about that exchange and being able to just like share and take. That's nice. It was good. It was like a quick little tease at what's coming. But man, it felt fucking good. The other thing that I was always worried about as we've been stuck in this crazy world that we've been in was like, how is this going to change me socially? How does this change my social interactions? And it has, subtly. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. I've noticed this with a lot of people in the public, is that we're all a little socially awkward now. People just don't understand patience because it's tough. Like, There's a lot of stress, right? Because you're bumping into somebody and they may or may not have their fucking mask on or there could be a reason for why they don't have their mask on. And then we're just sort of processing all of this internal stress and frustration. And then we bump into other creatures. So I've seen it. I've seen like fights break out over stupid shit, you know, on the street. It's like, what are you doing? Why is this? Why is this an argument? You know, it's because we're socially awkward. (laughs) If we weren't more socially awkward, if we weren't socially awkward before, we're more now. Because right? before it was all texting and I don't know how to talk on the phone. I was incredibly surprised with today's guest that canceled that we talked on the phone and uh, rescheduled. I was like, whoa, you want to talk on the phone? Fuck, how old are you? Holy shit, this is, this is crazy. Yes, let's do it. Hey, oh, wow, what is flying over our house now? There isn't an Air Force base local. We looked out there one day and it looked like the two fucking helicopters from Die Hard. Remember? When uh the they called in the FBI and they get the choppers and yeah, I was in high school, dickhead, all that shit. That happened over our house. It was pretty cool. And I think they were shooting a movie, but it was pretty rad. It was very similar, sort of setup. That's the thing about California, is that you'll drive by something or you'll look out the window and you'll see something that just feels a little too surreal. And you're like, that doesn't really feel like it should happen in real life. And you go, oh, it's a fucking movie. That's why. Got it. Got it. Why is that whole overpass closed down? And why are those people standing? Ah, it's a fucking movie. Got it. Right. It's kind of cool. I dig that. You know, coming from like a, a place uh, where, you know, like Boston is very old school. It's very old money. And a lot of colleges and shit. So everywhere you turn, you look out the window and there's some sort of fucking university that's trying to suck money out of the youth, and you look at the events, it's like either a sporting event or some sort of gathering, and you're like, okay, got it. It's a fucking pub crawl, a bunch of fucking college kids. Totally get it. And all the businesses and all that stuff in that area support that industry. That's what they're there for, right? Here, it's fascinating. I was just noticing it this morning on the ride back from the bike ride. Just looking out the window, and there's that big-ass sign for Expendables, the Expendables place. And I'm like, Hell yeah, that's cool. There's a big ass fucking store. There's a big there's a big department store for Onset Expendables out here. Fuck yeah! And every once in a while, you drive by a spot and you look at the sign. And you're like, "Post? Oh, that's a post house. That's cool." You know, there's something nice about all the businesses around you out here, essentially to support uh, the movie business. I mean, it's cool it's a lot cooler to drive through the neighborhood doing i mean the, the negative aspect of that is that you can't go in and wow them hey i'm making a movie so <laughs> well, don't you think it'd be great would you like it if a movie was filmed in your place no <laughs> as opposed to doing that in boston where you walk in and you go i would like to shoot a movie here really would you like actors would you like to see my whole house would you like access to my bank accounts? I mean, it's what it felt like when you're shooting in any other city. People are just like super excited to be a part of that adventure. But that's kind of the negative thing out here is that uh, all of the, at least all the people in real estate, like the business owners, the hotel owners, all those people, they just smell cash. They smell it because there's cash out here. You have like these big network TV shows that show up and they're like hey we want to buy out this fucking hotel for how long? I don't know, 3 months, you know. And here's all this like per diem and expenses and and as a little guy, you're just like consistently trying to convince them like, look, we don't have money. You know. And then you're competing with the scumbag producers that have money and they go, "We don't have money." So it's it's a it's an interesting dynamic out here as far as like trying to get locations booked. But there's a lot of great websites. Gina has a lot of luck with it. What website do you use to book locations, Gina? Gigster. Gigster is the one that you're using. And you've had good luck with that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you've been able to book out a bunch of really good spots. Yeah. I haven't used it yet. Um, so it can be done. But it's cool stuff. California's been pretty good. You know, the quarantine has sucked, but it's been good emotionally, I think. And... Also, creatively, I've spent a lot of time listening to books with my Audible account. And uh, th- sure, let's segue into an Audible read. Why the fuck not? Those of you who uh, haven't done so already, sign up for a uh, free trial at Audible using our link. I think it's audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process. Link is below the episode. Sign up for 30 days for free if you haven't done so at another podcast or somewhere else. If you're eligible, sign up you'll get a free audiobook you'll get 30 days for free you'll get access to their content and then you'll be able to listen to books like I do cuz I I realized recently that I have got so bad I've gotten so bad at reading books and it's the attention span game and I know a lot of people feel this way because I've asked this question cuz I was feeling kind of like an idiot where it's like I can't keep focused I start to read and I'm like two paragraphs in and I feel good about it. And I'm like, good, I'm actually reading this book and I'm feeling good about it. Now I'm thinking about something else. And I'm not actually thinking about the subject material that I'm reading in the book. Right? Or I'll keep reading and I'll go, oh fuck, I forgot to write that email to somebody. And then I'm out. Or even worse, you're reading and you flip the pages like four times. And you don't you don't even remember what the fuck it is that you're reading. It's like when you do late night driving on the highway. And you drift off and the next thing you know, you're at like exit 12 and you're like, where the fuck did the other 10 exits go? I can't remember. Uh, I feel that way every time I try to sit down and read a book. And so I've been trying to train myself to do that again. And uh, I found that it's still very difficult for me to keep my attention. And so Audible has been good for that. Like I'll actually listen to a book. I've started listening to a book that I actually have as a hard copy I'm just trying to find that interest again. And I think it's really just trying to find stories that pull me into it that really pay off. Because then it's like, okay, if I read this book, then it's an escape. Because you know, when you start reading a great book, like I can't wait to pick it back up again. And when I start reading a book, everything fades away. Like the sound dulls down, the location dulls down, and you just go into your brain. It's this really cool... Transformative kind of situation that you find yourself in when you're in with when you're dealing with a great book. Um, and so I've been trying to do that. The other thing about books that's fascinating, I mean, anybody could write a book, but not everybody can publish a book. And so by the time it has to go through that publishers and editors and stuff, there's a little bit more legitimacy to it, other than fucking some asshole that gets a goddamn medium account online and then writes some bullshit article that shows up on your Facebook feed. And if you're average Joe asshole and you're reading it, you're going, oh, this is an article online. So this is actually fucking true. You know, it's, uh, there just seems to be a whole lot more work involved, a whole lot more money involved, a whole lot more legitimacy involved when it gets to, when it gets down to being a book that when you read it, you go, hmm, maybe there's a little bit more here than there would be online, you know? So if I read stuff in there, I'm like, hmm. It sounds like this guy might have done his research, you know, as opposed to all that other shit that we read on the web. <laughs> Those fucking ads on the web drive me insane. They're nuts. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys are feeling inspired. And uh, let me know what you're doing. Let me know if you are feeling inspired. Send me a message on Instagram, at MikePetchy on Instagram or at In Love with the Process. POD, that's in love with the process pod on Instagram. Uh, let me know what you guys are working on. What do you guys got cooking up? I've been getting a lot of messages from you guys. Let's actually go on here because now I have a moment. Uh, let's see, let's look at a message. I got to decipher some of these things. So here we go. This one is from a dude named Harvey. So, Harvey, if you listen to the show, uh, let me answer your question live in front of everybody. Uh, hey, I'm Harvey. I have been thinking about university and what to do after uh, a levels, I don't know what that means. I just wanted to ask what would be more beneficial doing a film production course at a university or going to a film school? I have been... Uh, here we go. I have been out of going to film school a bit as it is very expensive. Okay, so he hasn't gone to film school in a little while because it's expensive. Sorry for the hassle. I just wanted an opinion. Um, okay. You guys have heard my opinions on the show before. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to uh, be smart about my opinions because I don't want to piss people off that are going to film school. Uh, I got that note from Liam recently, who was just like, I forget what episode we were doing, but uh, me and the guests were just like, film school, bleh. you know what I mean? We were fucking thumbs down on it. And Liam was just like, I had trouble getting through that episode. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it occurred to me afterwards, I was like, all right, you are uh, indebted yourself to it. Um, so here's here's what I would say. Film school does really great things for folks that need a reason to get started. Or come from an area that doesn't have a lot of access or resources for crew folks. Because I know a lot of you people listening to the show, like myself, don't live in production hubs, right? You don't live in California. You don't live in New York. um, You don't live in London, right? You live in one of the small towns outside those places. And the most difficult thing in the world as a kid is trying to focus on what it is that you want to do, right? We get all this fucking pressure from our parents. We get this pressure from from fucking school, right? Remember when you were in elementary school and the goddamn college fair would show up and your parents would stress you out and the fucking teachers would stress you out? What do you want to do with the rest of your life? How many of those movies exist? What do you want to do with the rest of your life? Mr. Bueller, Ferris Bueller, like all that shit, that stress that was put on us. Um, which honestly, if I'm going to go on a tirade, and honest, that's why you guys are listening, so fuck it. Um, it just feels like a fucking con job. It feels like a giant corporation. It's like Pepsi showed up. It's like they suddenly had a uh, convention for fucking soft drinks. And you got Pepsi, and you got Coca-Cola, and you got a table that's for Sprite, even though they don't tell you that it's fucking Coca-Cola. <laughs> So they act like they're competitors, right? And you get these fucking tables lined up, and there are all these places that are that are pressuring you into signing up with them, going to their school. You got to choose your career path, you got to choose your shit. Then you have the school that you're going to, whether it's a elementary school, or if it's a high school, and those schools are trying to get accredited. They're trying to get uh better uh grade averages so that they get more money, right? Because The schools that have better grade averages get more money. The places that uh, will guarantee their kids going to school will get the people uh, moving to those areas that have cash, that are on the PTA, that are funneling more money into the school system. So it's a big money game all the way around for those folks. And then they have these college conventions where the colleges show up and they're just like, come to our school. And every kid looks at it and goes, well, where the fuck do I want to go? Right? What do I want to do? I'm just a kid. What have I done with my life? I have come to school every day. I am flipping through these textbooks, which have just been reprinted over and over again since the fucking fifties. Right? And I'm taking these courses and, and half the time I'm not absorbing any of this stuff because I have no concept on whether or not this is going to be effective in my regular life. So I don't really get that. I mean, for my high school, I went to Framingham High. And those of you listening that know me would be like, wow, Framingham. Went to Framingham High, which was a suburb of Boston. So it was 20 minutes outside of Boston, which was a big deal. Uh, my mother's calling. I'll answer that in a little later. 20 minutes, it's like she can tell I'm talking about my childhood. She's like calling me up going, don't talk shit. Um, <laughs> 20 minutes outside of Boston, and Framingham is the size of a city. I think it. Pre- I don't know if it became a city, but it was up to be a city. It's huge. And they had Framingham North and Framingham South, which was split by railroad tracks, like unofficially split by these railroad tracks. And the South Side had their own high school, and the North Side had their own high school. And the, I think it was a year or two years before I went to high school, they closed the South Side. I don't know if it was a money issue... And there was a bit of like, if you were from the south side of the tracks, you typically came from lower income family housing. You typically came from a rougher childhood, quote unquote. Says the assholes from the north side, right? So they combined the high schools. The two schools got combined. My classes were fucking huge. Now, I'm a kid. What's my first name? Mike, right? My classes went from having maybe two Mikes in them to having six mics in them. And it got so overwhelming that they had desk pushed all the way up to the back of the room. I was such a terrible student that I skipped class, an entire class for an entire semester. And I got another Mike's grades. That's how connected these teachers were to their students, right? So then they're asking me, what is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to do for the rest of your life? Which one of these places do you want to sign up for? It's like, you guys haven't even inspired it. You haven't even inspired me to want to do anything. And the system hasn't inspired me to want to do anything. I think what I would like to do. And as a kid, I thought I wanted to work on cars. I liked it. And why did I like cars? Because I spent one-on-one time with a friend of mine who was a mechanic as a kid. One-on-one time with this person got to hang out, felt like I was an equal, got to learn how the t- the techniques that I was learning with my hands would benefit my day-to-day life. I got to see how the money came in. I got to see the tasks that were involved with it. Hands-on experience, right? And so I went through that entire process, and I went, I think, I think I'm going to work with my hands. And luckily, my parents were very supportive, but, you know, they would make sure we would do different things, but they were still very supportive. And my dad worked in a bank. You've heard him on the show before. So he didn't really work with his hands. Um, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, which is, when in itself with four of us was a fucking full-time job. And she was always like, <laughs> honestly, she was looking at this world of macho guys and just being like, you better not grow up to be a macho fucking prick. I mean, my mom was like <laughs> feminist supreme. Um, and so... I was fascinated with it because I got to hang out with these folks that were completely different than my family. I got to see that they invited me into their world. I got to see that and and was embraced by that. I loved it. And so I had that thrown at me when I was a young kid. And I'm like, I think I might want to work with my hands. I think I might want to be like a car mechanic or something. And I also, I got that job at the music store when I was young and as a teenager. And the same thing happened. I remember when I walked into this music store, the first time I walked in there, uh, I was like 16 and uh, we happened to just be driving by and I was so enthralled by it that I turned to my mother and I said, I think I want to work there. I think that's where I want to have my first job. And she goes, well, let's go in we'll talk to somebody there and we'll find out whether or not you can get a job here. And of course I was 16, so I was too young for it. But I walked in and I met the manager at the time and he looked at me, he looked down at me and he said, look, you're too young but if you really want to learn about this, come back in here, come back and hang out with me and I'll show you what this job is like. I'll show you what it's all about. And I did. Once again, somebody bringing me in, somebody showing me, giving me the opportunity to learn with my hands, giving me the opportunity to be in that environment. I remember coming in and being... As a kid, 16-year-old kid, I remember being so enthralled with this guy because he knew what he was doing, he had a system in place, he was very happy with what he was doing and his job was really great and it seemed kind of like a rock and roll position. He ran a music store. How cool is that? Right? And so I hung out with him for a while and I eventually got hired there. I got hired there when I was like 17. And uh, he quickly brought me in and he said, look, Uh, Here's what I need you to do. Learn how to do these things as, as fast as you can. And one thing that I picked up from the car world and from house painting and from landscaping and from all these blue collar jobs is I learned that if you came in and you worked hard and if you didn't know how to do something, you asked and you were honest, you rose pretty quick, right? You rise the ranks really fast doing that shit. And so I buckled in. I was enthralled. Like, how do you alphabetize these things the correct way? And like, what is the way of doing stocking? And, and all this music that I'd never heard before. So I would buy cassette tapes and I'd bring them home and i do research on different genres. And I was just pulling all this stuff in. And a few months later, he's like, I think you're doing really well. I think you can rise to be like a junior supervisor. And then I rose to be an assistant manager. And within a year, I was a manager for a period of time of one of the biggest record stores uh, in our in our area, in the state. It was three floors of people. Like how many employees? Six employees under me as a kid. And so that to me, and I was doing that while I was in school. I was in high school. And so there hit a point where my mom realized that I was so bad at school and then I was skipping class all the time to go work on stuff that she put me in work study. So I ended up in a work study program where I did two or three classes in the morning and then I went to fucking work because I loved it so much. And through that process, I learned really early on putting my hands in it, actually putting my hands in it and doing it, what the job actually was. it, It shaped me. I learned later in life that there's something terrible about coming home with bloody knuckles every night. There's nothing worse than like laying on your back underneath a car and desperately trying to turn a greasy bolt with your fingers. And every time you turn that bolt, it scrapes up against an oil pan that has a sharp fucking edge and it's just cutting your fucking hand. That sucks, right? A house painting, forgetting your name because of the fumes. Sucks. I don't want to do this every day, but I learned it. I learned how to do it. And what I got from those jobs, I use on the film sets every time I'm on a film set. Camaraderie, how to connect with guys, and above all, work ethic. And I know you hear this from your dads if you have a dad. I know you hear this from any old person. You got to have a good work ethic. That's all they say to you. You know what that means? That essentially just means you care. And you have the ability to look past your own little position right? You can look ahead. You step outside yourself. You fucking drone shot it, right? You get above and you look around, you go, where's my position in the fucking huge engine that I'm running here? Okay, this is what I'm doing. And who's relying upon me? All right. And if I do this and this and that, then they don't have to worry about me. Perfect. That's it. Because then what happens is that people are like, oh, fuck, this guy knows what's up. I remember the first time I took a job on a uh, film industry-related position. Right, it was for corporate videos, and I was working for a great producer, really great guy, um, out of off the Cape. And uh, I'd mentioned his name, but I don't know if he wants me to. So, I uh, worked with this really great guy, John, off Cape. And I remember when I started with him, he hired me or brought me on as an intern. And I was essentially dubbing and labeling VHS tapes. Which if you're someone that just got out of film school, you were hot shot in your fucking film course, right? And you're making stuff, and then suddenly you're thrust down to fucking working for free, dubbing VHS tapes and labeling them. That just seems like, what the fuck am I doing, right? And I know a lot of you guys ask me this all the time. What the fuck am I doing? How am I going to do this? Well, if you got big ass student loans behind you, it sucks even further because that's the truth of it. Internships is the way this business works because you got to get in there. You got to get on the ground. Very similar to what it's like to work as a car mechanic or a house painter. These people want to know if you can fucking fit into the into the machine. Can you fit into the cog? Are you a cog in the wheel of my shit? You know what I mean? I did a terrible job saying that. But can you fit in? Right, and how well do you fit in? Are you just someone that's going to be on your phone that I got to fucking say, "Hey, did you did you grab that apple box from the truck? Can you do me a favor? Can you do me a favor? Hold on, just get off the phone. Will you just go to the truck and grab me a full apple? Right, and in the bin next to the apple box, there's a, uh, a half CTO. Will you grab me a roll of half CTO? What What is a roll of half CTO? Don't fucking Google it. I'll tell you what it is. It's it's the orange. It's that orange filter, right? If you'll see it, it's labeled. Full means it's full. Half means it's half. Will you grab me that roll of half, right? That's the conversation that you always have when you're a lowly crew position, you're a PA. And so some people take that personally. And they go, why the fuck is this guy yelling at me? What the fuck? Or like, I, I I spent how much money at film school and I learned about the theory of filmmaking and the theory of blocking. Why the fuck am I going to the truck to pick up an Apple box? What the fuck am I doing that for? I was told that at that, at that uh, college convention, a college fair, I was told that if I went there and I spent all that money and I was in debt to them, that I'd be a fucking director. Why the fuck am I going to the truck? Meanwhile, I'm the guy that's hiring you or you're working for me and I'm looking at you and going, why are you standing there still? Dude, you're holding up the entire production. Please just go and do it. And then if you're smart, you have a moment and you go, oh shit, they need me to do this because if I don't go do this right now, we don't roll. And every second that we don't roll, that costs this much money. We only have the sun for a certain amount of time. My bad my bad, I'm off. Right? Whereas if you had that viewpoint initially, and you were able to look at it from the fucking bird's eye perspective, and you went, huh, this is how I fit in. This is what's going on. And this is what they need. Hmm. Those guys seem to need an apple box all the time. I'm just going to go to the truck and grab a bunch of those apple boxes. And if you're somebody that doesn't have permission to do so, I'm going to go talk to the guy that runs the truck and be like, do you think it's a smart idea that we bring on a couple of Apple boxes? Or, or even phrase it this way. When do you think Apple boxes, when would you normally bring Apple boxes on set? And the guy will go, oh, let me teach you something. Right? So here's where this all comes back to your question, right? This all rolls back. This shit, they don't teach you in film school. So if you are going to be a set person, if you are somebody that wants to go work on film sets, if you want to be a director, if you want to be a cinematographer, there's a lot of learning that you need to do. There's a lot of theory that you should learn. And film school can teach you that, right? But... You also, if you're going to be a successful director, a guy that wants to get called all the time, people want to call all the time, you want to know how you fit into the wheel. And this isn't always just about Apple boxes and C stands. This is also about clients. This is about creatives. This is about when you assert your ideas and when you don't assert your ideas. And the only way you're going to learn that is if you happen to be PAing at the top end and you're working in a production office and you're working under a producer And you see how producers put out fires. You see how producers convince people to let a giant crew of fucking animals run through a stranger's house, right? You see that, you examine that stuff. And it's been my belief that this business is an apprenticeship business. It has always been an apprenticeship business. And that's the best way to learn. And the problem comes down to who's chosen for the apprenticeships and who's not chosen for the apprenticeships. There are plenty of opportunities out there. And the people that get called aren't the people that are the best person for the job. The people that get called are the people that are reliable. That are reliable and that people want to be around and want to hang out with. So back to this question, as I fucking rant. Harvey, I would say this. What is be more beneficial? He says, what would be more beneficial, uh, doing a film production course at a university or going to a film school? It all depends on the specifics. Does that university actually give you an in-depth course on set production, on film production? Do they have placement? Do they have a good uh, PA placement program? We've had people on our show like Zach Merck who went to uh, Emerson and he got placed in an internship underneath who fucking Tony Scott that made his life that changed his career right out of film school. And so he was in a great position for that. I think that was the best thing that he got from Emerson. I would, I would actually, I'll confirm it with him, but I'll go on the record of saying, I bet you he learned more underneath Tony Scott than he learned in any of the classes in Emerson. And Emerson's fucking expensive. And at the end of the day, he paid that price to literally be Tony Scott's PA. And fast forward to the fact that he's now signed. He's a director signed by Ridley Scott's company. That is everything because of the connections he made, because of the onset experience he had, because of all those people that he met. So Emerson did that for him. So if you are looking at a school that has a good placement program, right, that's going to put you into the position to learn then fuck yeah if you're someone that lives out in the farmland right and the only other person that does anything that has to do with uh cameras is like someone that's just taking selfies you know what i mean like there's no film crews there's no reason to be there then pick a school that has an intense onset program I ended up picking New York Film Academy and by no means am I endorsing these people. But I ended up picking New York Film Academy because they promised that I would shoot on sets at least three films in that period of time. And I didn't go for a full year. I just did an intense course. And they said, you're going to shoot three and you're going to work on three other people's three films. So I was like, fuck, that's a lot of shooting. Okay, that's great. The reverse side of that was that their their courses were kind of like, shotgun courses you know what i mean like super quick like here's how you turn on a camera blah, and here's how this is the theory of directing blah, and here's a book on theory of directing and you're just like right that's not my kind of learning if i haven't let <laughs> like proved that so far with what i've said on today's episode so pick a place that lets you work that lets you work and, let, and places you in these spots I mean, I've heard all sorts of horror stories, especially now during COVID, the people that are paying for fucking university tuitions to do shit over fucking Zoom, that should be discounted. That should be discounted. What are you paying for? You don't even have to power up the fucking rooms that you guys use, you tax-free motherfuckers. So why am I paying full price to go to school there, right? Right? Crazy when you think about it. So to answer your question, examine it. Ask yourself this: What is it that I think I would like to do? Do you want to be a, a music composer? I get it. You want to go to a place where they're teaching you music composition. How many really great musicians came out of Berkeley? I think that's where Big Black Delta went was Berkeley. And uh, you're hanging out with other musicians. You're playing together. You're forming relationships. It's kind of the same thing with filmmaking. You want to be in a position in which you can be practicing the art of filmmaking. You can learn how to set up lights. You can learn how to run lines with fellow actors. You can learn how to direct actors that happen to be taking a course in the same school that you're going to. So it makes it easier for you to cast your little bits and pieces because they're actors in the same program. Right, You can practice casting sessions. You can practice all that stuff. That is the benefit of it because it's like a, a simple location, a simple spot. This afternoon, when we were driving back from bike riding, we like were driving through Burbank and we drove right by Warner Brothers, huge Warner Brothers lot that's hanging out there. And on the outskirts of Warner Brothers lot is a giant glass building that said New York Film Academy. Now, there is a for rent sign in front of it now, which probably means they're no longer there. But talk about an ingenious place to put that school. You put that school there, they make a partnership with Warner Brothers, right? And the next thing you know, you're getting uh, PAs and PA placements on TV shows on different uh, crew positions on set. Makes a lot of sense. Maybe you look into something like that where you're like, okay, what is this school doing as far as job placement is concerned? Who and what connections do the professors have With job placement, what kind of connections does the people that run the school have with job placement? Really examine that shit and look at it and look at the endowments that some of these places have and look at where the money is spent. Schools that make cash, what are they spending that cash on? Did they just go out to B&H and buy some fucking camera package that is like five years outdated and they only have like one or two cameras to spread around 25 students? Why would you do that? right? Do your research. Don't fall for the advertising. Ask people and alumni that went to that school, what are the benefits of this school? And ask them off the fucking record. Don't go to the alumni that are part of the promotional thing because they're probably getting paid to promote the school. Think about it. And more importantly, you don't need it. Some people may need that thing as a stimulus. Some people may need that As a reason to get started. I completely get it. It's also confidence building. That's a big part of it too. Totally understand that. But if you are truly curious, there's that whole conversation on just shoot it. Fuck it. Just get a camera and shoot it, right? That's great. It's a good way to learn. It's a good way to test out theories. More so than just shoot it, it's I think they should change that. Just produce it. Teach yourself how to communicate with folks. How do you talk your best friend, your mom's best friend, into letting you shoot a pool scene in her pool in the backyard? And how do you talk her into letting you do that with a crew of 12? Because now there's a liability issue. You've got all these other kids hanging out at the fucking pool. And where does craft services go? Right? No eating in the fucking pool, assholes. Now you have a nervous Nelly that's on the set. How do you handle her, right? That stuff's important. You learn the skills of how to make these things happen. And I know that there are some of you out there that are like, I just want to be a director, man. Well, if you know how this works, then when you're planning out your days, you can be thinking about that. And I don't care. I've been told this by people that are putting together my films. It's not your job to think about those things, Mike. It's not your position. You don't have to worry about those. But then in the back end of it, at the end of the day, when everything comes down to the line and they're like, but we can't afford these shots and we can't cut the, you have to cut this and you have to cut that. I go, well, I wouldn't have had to do so if you let me think about your problems too while I was planning it. Right? Because then at that point, you're in sync. I know your job. I understand how your job works. I'm not better than you at it. I just know how it works so I can plan for it. Because at the end of the day, you're relying on me, right? That's it. And I don't care if you're the director, if you're a makeup artist, if you're a PA, if you're a fucking background actor, we're all relying on you. The movie requires each and every one of those positions. And there is a career path in each and every one of those positions a happy career path in all of those positions. And you don't need to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars at a fucking university to get a diploma for that. You just don't. That's the truth. And I'm not the only one to say it. You've heard every one of my guests on the show be like, you know, so, and it, it just blows my mind. Like half the time, I'm like, do you guys not listen to the fucking podcast? Because we talk about it all the time. And I get these consistently. I get these consistently. So Harvey, I'm going to send you a thing right now. Listen to this week's podcast, brother. All right. So there's the uh, long-winded answer to that question. Let's see if there's anything else. I get a lot of these. I am very good at acting. If possible, please give me an opportunity to show you my acting in front of you and work with you. Best regards. Okay, so Kumal sends me this. Here's some advice. When you guys reach out to people online and ask them these questions, like I would like to be a PA for you. I would like to work on your film. I would like to be an actor that works in your stuff. Do yourself a favor and just do a bit of research. I guarantee you Kamal is not from Los Angeles Uh, and I guarantee you that Kamal hasn't uh, been looking at my profile lately Uh, hasn't noticed that like everybody else I am in COVID so I'm not working so asking that question my response would be cool let you know when I start to work again that's a B uh, I always ask, where are you from? My response to this would just be, where are you from? If he's like, I'm from India. Or if he's like, I'm from fucking Kansas. I'd be like, dude, how the fuck are we supposed to work together? I'm in Los Angeles, dude. Right? Think about it. I'm not going to fly you out. That's not how it works. I'm not going to be like, let's see how this guy is on screen. Uh, someone sent him a plane ticket. <laughs> What am I going to pull that from my fucking unemployment check? <laughs> Just think about it. I, I completely endorse you reaching out to people uh, and f- trying to make it, trying to get access. I completely get that. That's what social media is for. But be smart about it. Because I say this because I have a lot of folks that get irritated with you afterwards, but they're like, well, what? well how come? And what? How come you haven't responded? It's like, dude, Do the research before you reach out, right? Anyway, let's see. What else is going on here? Uh, Colorists reaching out. See, like some people are really smart. They put together a thing. There's no stress to it. Hey, look, I'd love to show you my reel. I'm a music composer. Check out my stuff. I love looking at that stuff. Send me that. If you guys think you are really good at your craft, but be good at it when you send it. Because... I get a lot of those. And I'm not just speaking on my behalf, I'm speaking on the behalf of anybody else that's in this business, people that are bigger than me in this business. And I write to those folks all the time. I write to them to be on the podcast, I ask them if they wanna work on my stuff. You gotta have your shit behind you if you're gonna expect any kind of response because there's a lot of fucking messages. And if you happen to get someone's attention, maybe they like the way your thumbnail looks, think about that um and they sit there and go okay well what's the deal here all right here's one boom hello mike uh and i clicked on this because this guy's got a nice looking thumbnail hello mike i'm a long time listener and a first-time caller what up dude uh your podcast helped provide me with an alternative uh other than residential construction okay so he's a construction guy that's cool um, I'd really like to check out 12KM. Uh, ha, ha, here it is. Really like to check out 12KM. My favorite films are currently Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw, 1974. I like the fact that you had to say 1974. And Visitor Q. Ooh. All right. This is good because he stumped me. What the fuck is Visitor Q? Visitor Q. Zitter Q What is this? And why do I not know of it? Ah it's a Takashi Miike movie, that's why. Ah his movies are brutal. Fascinating. Which one is this? This isn't the one where they get born out of the uh manador, is it? No. Oh, this is the one where they're both nursing on, they're breastfeeding. There's a grown man and a grown woman breastfeeding on a demon, I assume? Yeah. Okay. Okay, buddy. You are getting a link to C12KM. Because that was a good suggestion. You had me thinking. You had me searching. Uh, hell yeah, man. Um, that's how you do it, guys. That's how you get people's attention on the internet. Good work, brother. Good suggestions. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else that I am missing here? Maybe a little. Uh, here we go. All right. Here's another good example. This is from Come on Daniel on Instagram. And now, mind you, guys, these these was this one was sent to me on Tuesday. Uh, these end up in my. Quote, unquote, like junk mail, just because we're not following each other. Uh, Hey, what's up? My name is Daniel. I'm a music producer from Germany. Hell yeah, man. What's going on? I'd love to create music for a movie because I think I can bring, I'm sorry, translation stuff, because I think I can bring pretty good value by playing violin slash guitar slash piano and my production skills. Okay. Uh, I'd love to get in touch would be thankful for any chance to work together. All right, so here's what I like about this. Low stress, right? It's a very low stress message. I dig it. He talks about what he likes to play. He plays violin, he plays guitar, plays piano. Now, here's the negative of being that specific. I sit there and I go, do I need anything that has violin, guitar, piano right now? So you've given me a reason to sort of examine this. Now, here's the other negative about this. There is no link to his stuff. No link. I don't have a link to any of your work, right? How am I supposed to do that? And in my bored state during COVID and circling through my messages, trying to make myself feel fucking important, I'll go through and read this and go, okay, cool. But where am I going to see your shit? So that now I have to click on his name, right? So I click on his name, I go to his thing, and here it is he has so now now because you didn't put that link there i'm now examining how many followers you have right i didn't need to do this before if you had crafted that message correctly i never would have got to this point i never would have needed to do this so now i'm like okay you have this many followers all right then looking at his description on instagram he says that he's a producer great music producer so Underneath his name, it says producer. And then it says music producer, wasted line, violinist, cool. And then it says credits. And there are a bunch of ads for credits. And that's it. Still no link to his work. Still no link to the music, to the stuff that I'm going to fall in love with, man. So uh, I'm not even going to respond because if you're listening to the show, definitely send me something. If If this kicks in there, And you know who you are, because I read it. Your name is Daniel, right? Uh, Send me a message with all those things, because I'm curious, man. But I don't know how to find your fucking music. Keep that in mind when you're reaching out to people. Craft your shit. Do a really good job at it. When I ask people to be on this show uh, as guests, I really put together a solid fucking message, and I try to have it be concise with links, and I make sure that when I do a link, In that hyperlink, it says everything that needs to be said on that before you even click on it, what the show's about, what's happening with the show, how many guests listens to the show, boom. And the link's got to go through, got to be super easy. Be smart about how you reach out to folks, guys and girls. Um, All right, let's see what else is going on. Oh, a lot of people with t-shirts, folks are finally getting their shirts because of shipping. Hey, dude, got your shirt this week. I'm going to post a picture later. Please do. Uh, Charlie, I'd like to see your sexy bod in my sweet T-shirt. Please do. A uh, bunch of winners for our contest. Three winners, actually, for our contest with movie tees. If you guys were part of that. We picked our winners. Super excited. And movie tees, initially, they were only going to do two winners. And I picked my uh, one of our uh, big fans, Brody. He's in Australia, so I was like, ah, fuck. They probably don't ship to Australia, so whatever. I'll just buy it and I'll ship it to them. Uh But Movie Tees stepped up, right? They're like, we'll do three. No big deal. Three winners, and uh, we will ship it to Australia. So big shout out to Movie Tees for doing that. If you guys did not make the contest, if you didn't win, but you love how fucking cool those t-shirts are, you've seen me wearing them all the time, go to MovieTees.com, so that's M O V I T E E S and uh, enter promo code ILWP and get 10% off. I think they do free shipping for like orders up to a certain amount too. So it's a pretty good deal. Um, definitely check that stuff out. Uh, let's see. I think that's about it. We've done pretty good. It's about an hour and change. Not bad, right? Not bad for a show that wasn't planned. <laughs> I gotta give myself some credit because no one else is. Um uh oh, coming on the horizon, very excited. I'm trying to get him on the show. I just watched a really fucking great movie that you're not allowed to see. Uh a movie that's kind of been hung up in uh distribution deals and distribution problems. This is some behind the scenes stuff that we never hear about, right? You hear about a filmmaker making a movie and then uh it's like, "How come it's not out yet?" Well, Certain distributors buy it, and then they don't release it, but then they just hold on to it. It stays on a shelf, and then fucking years go by. It's the fucking worst. It's purgatory for films. Um, and uh, this film has been in purgatory for a while. I think it's about to come out of purgatory. Uh, and they sent me uh, a screener, so I'm happy to have one. Uh, I watched it last night. I'm very excited about it. It's called Record Safari. And uh, it's really cool. It's about vinyls. Of course, I'm kind of obsessed with vinyls lately, but this is a really great doc on it. Um, and Alex Rodriguez is the one who showed. He sent it to me. And he's the curator for the uh, Coachella record store, so he does, like, all the buying for Coachella and all their albums and shit. So, and he travels the world. He actually goes on what I like to call now a record safari instead of a bar safari. He goes on a record safari where he drives the country. And... Uh, goes to use record places and just fucking buys them out, buys out all these really great albums and curates like a really cool store with it. Uh, and he sells them very affordable. It's very inexpensive. What is this store? What is it? It's a uh, Glasshouse record store. And I know a lot of you guys that are uh, vinyl nerds know what's up. Um And now I think their store isn't open because of COVID. So they're just doing online sales. But man, the stuff that they're posting, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Look at that variant. Look at that fucking Led Zeppelin 2 variant. Man, I wish I had that. Uh, I'm going to get him on the show. I think I convinced him to be on the show. We're in talks right now. He never does podcasts. So hopefully I can have him on and him and I can get nerdy about vinyls. Uh, and after the stories I told you today, you know why I love fucking music so much. You know, the history of that. Is it any weird, strange coincidence that I ended up being a music video director? <laughs> right? But anyway, that's the show. That's what's going on. There you go. There's a bonus bonus episode for everybody on a Friday. I'm going to put it up. It's 3 p.m. I'm going to put it up late on Friday. You guys will have something new to listen to this weekend. Um, Love you guys. Thanks for listening as always. And thanks for your support. And I look, I'm just going to say I give advice. Take it or leave it. Who the fuck am I to tell you what to do? Who the fuck am I to tell you whether or not you should go to school? Everybody has a hundred different reasons for why they need to do what it is that they need to do. All I can say is this, be smart about it. Look at all the different angles. Before you sign up for a fucking credit card, you read all the small print, right? It's the same thing with signing up for college because it is literally the biggest debt that your young person will ever have literally will be the biggest thing and they don't give a fuck right you graduate from school and they're not like oh here's a five-year grace period because we know you're going to go pa for what they don't give two shits the collection agency is right there right at you the dude with the baseball bat is banging on your fucking door but i'm a college student and i've had to spend so many hours working on your crazy curriculum that i have never had an opportunity to make money or have a job we don't care Where are your parents? How much money do they make? Can they sign for this? Think about it. Anyway, that's enough next thing on that shit. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we will be back on Tuesday with a regularly scheduled programming. We have a great guest coming up this week. Is this week the barbecue week? I don't know. Stick around. You'll see. Thanks, everyone.